0: Praise the Lord. I'm going to preach for a few moments this morning, a message I was going to do last Sunday, but I feel the release today. And it's simply this title, Beauty for Ashes. Beauty for Ashes. I want to read one verse of Scripture out of Second Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. And I'll tie this together in just a moment, but it says, Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David, at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. That may not make a bit of sense, but I promise you, by the end of this little sermon, I'm going to tie it together. And again, I want to preach on beauty for ashes The scripture that I read is telling us that Solomon, who was the son of David, was given the permission and the blessing of the Lord to build the temple. But you've got to notice a key point here is you have to notice the location where he was given the permission to build it. It says he built it where the Lord had appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared while on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Now this story really needs the foundation of 1 Chronicles 21. I won't take the time to read that today. But I do want to go back and I want you to see a beautiful truth in this text. This one verse that I read from the Old Testament has got a lot of symbolism and meaning and a powerful message in it. And we have to understand today, church, that David is a great example to you and to me. Because in the scriptures we know and read that David had a lot of victories, he had a lot of triumphs, he had a lot of successes, but the Bible also shares with us about David's failures, the valleys he had to go through, the mistakes he made, the tough times he encountered, and sometimes the people that you and I will give up on and reject, that is who God still wants to use. And I'm glad today that the Bible does not just only give us the good side and the blessed side of folk and people. Come on. But I'm thankful he also shows us both sides. It gives people like me hope today. Ordinary people like me. Because people who who have flawed, people who maybe have messed up, God says I can still use them. The Bible says there was a time when David sinned greatly. And oftentimes, times our mind probably immediately goes to David's sin of adultery. But it was actually a sin before that and perhaps the consequences were even greater. We know David committed adultery. He lied about it. He sent a, a man to the front line to try to cover it up and had him killed. And we know that David's baby would die. But this sin that he was about to do here was even worse than this, or at least the consequences seemed to be. And it was the sin where he numbered Israel. The Bible said that God had commanded David, don't you number, don't you count the number of people in Israel, don't you count your army. But when he heard that his enemies were mounting up against him and were coming, he began to fear, and David got nervous, and he decided, I'm going to go ahead and number Israel anyway. And the thinking was this, if I can find out how many I have, then I can put my faith and confidence in those numbers, and I won't be so afraid of the enemy. I want you to notice with me a couple of things here, at church. Number one, you and I are never, ever, ever to worship numbers. Never are we to worship numbers. Number two, we are never to allow numbers to worship us. Even in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, the angels appeared, and what did they say? They said, Do not worship us, we worship Christ. It was John that said in the Scripture that you and I we must decrease so that He will increase. If God, if God raises you up, hear me, good today. If God raises you up, or God raises this church up, and God uses you and me in this church to do something powerful, we must always be careful to give God the glory and point people to Jesus. And we never, ever should say, "Look at me! Look at what I did." We should never pump ourselves up and say I did this, I said that. It should always be pointing the glory and the honor to Him because without Him we are absolutely nothing today. I must decrease so He'll increase. Even the disciples when they were performing miracles, the people came and wanted to worship them. They said don't worship us for we are just like you, men of passion. There's a scripture in the Bible that says the people heard or they listened to John and what he was preaching and teaching, but then it said they followed Jesus. They heard John, but they followed Jesus. And the greatest success that a church like Mount Holly Church can have or a minister can have or a teacher can have or anybody, the greatest success is when people hear the person and then they follow Jesus. Jesus. There is a danger in placing your eyes on people today. When people you look up to fail, why did you have your eyes on them anyhow? Why did you look at them? The only one who will never fail you, the only one who will never forsake you, the only one who will never turn his back on you, the only one who will never reject you is Jesus and even Pilate could find no fault in him. So why must we constantly be looking at people? Get our eyes Salt People Church and place them on the author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus, today. Hallelujah. Many people today are running from God and they like to bring up something a Christian did. Or a pastor did. Well, they did that and they profess to be saved. Then that person wants to congratulate themselves on the back and and run around thinking I'm I'm living just as good as them. I'm doing a little better than them. They take comfort in that. But hear me today, church. The Lord is not going to ask us to give an account on judgment day of that person or that person or that preacher or this to this or that. Come on, somebody. On judgment day, we're going to have to give an account for ourselves. I'm going to have to answer for Jeff Maxwell. So there is a danger in allowing Numbers to worship us. But then there's an equally dangerous situation when we begin to worship Numbers. And that's what David fell into. In other words, listen, everybody likes to have enough. Everybody likes to know if you're going to attempt to do something great for God or whatever it may be or start that business or do this or do... They want to know what the numbers are. I understand that. We all like to know we have enough except God. He loves to put us in places where we don't have enough. Anybody ever found out that about Him yet? If not, you will. (laughs) You will. It seems that In this book right here, God would do the greatest miracles when people did not seem to have enough. And God likes to place us in in, in the position sometimes where we don't have enough and we have to trust him every day of our life, step by step. God will do his greatest miracles when we don't have enough. And I'm here to tell you, we're in miracle territory right now, somebody. God likes to bless you when you get down to five five loaves and two fish and you need to feed thousands of people God likes to bless you when you get down and you owe taxes and don't have the money to pay them but he says go open that fish's mouth Peter and on the inside of the fish is the money to pay it God likes to bless you when you're down to nothing and you're in a famine and you're starving and you're a widow woman who has a kid and all you have is a little bit of meal and and God God comes through and then, then, then you're not left wondering who to give the glory to. See, if people get you out of your situation, they're going to be waiting in line on you to praise them. But if you allow God to move in your life and put your trust in Him... You see, some trust in chariots and some in horses. But I trust in the name of the Lord. And if you want to put trust in numbers and what you've got, you better put your trust in the Lord. Because if you've got Him, you've got all you need. I know it may look like somebody this morning says, I don't have enough. But God loves to bless folk and move in times like that and you may be sitting in this room and say I don't have enough money I don't have enough talent I don't have enough education I don't have enough connections I don't have enough power I don't have enough people I don't have enough but hear me good this morning if you have God you have all you need today come on give him praise if you've got God (laughs) you may lose it all and have nothing but if you've got God you've got all you need to start all over again Praise God. And the scripture says David ordered the numbering of the Israelites. And when God heard this, God got angry with him. He got upset. God didn't want him trusting in numbers. Listen to what God said God smote the very thing that David was relying on and counting on. He smote them, he took them out. He started killing off his numbers that he was relying on. By the thousands, they started dying of a plague that had spread across the camp of Israel. And the very thing David put his trust in, God would smite. And there are people in this room that know what I'm talking about. You know what it's like for God to smite the thing you put your faith in and put your trust in, that thing that makes you feel secure. (laughs) Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you know what it's like for God to smite that very thing. Sometimes God, though, does not want us walking on anything but a word and a promise. Sometimes he says, I know you are counting on the boat to get you through the storm. But sometimes he wants us out of the boat And walking on the water Come on somebody Sometimes the very people you are counting on Will walk off and leave you In situations you thought were going to help you And bless you Suddenly you came up empty And the very thing you were putting your trust in God will smite it and take it But if you'll hang on and trust him I said church If you'll just hang on a little while And trust him I said if you'll just hang on a little longer I said if you'll just hang on You may have to tie a knot At the end of the rope And hang on But if you'll hang on just a little longer And trust him You'll learn a great lesson And the lesson is You're going to come out of that thing With a deeper comfort in a tough time so you can't go through loss and pain without reaching a point where you actually come to the realization: I just need to give up and turn it over to Jesus. I just need to kneel and lift my hands and say, "God, you've got this battle today. I can't do anything about it anyway." And if you'll ever get to that place, you might as well say, I, "I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna know Him some more in the fellowship of my sufferings. I'll just find out that He is Jehovah Jireh because that job never really was my source." That situation over there it never was my source that place over there it really never was my source that person never was my source those numbers never were my source my bank account never was my source but God is my source and God is still God and my God will still make a way for me is there anybody in this room that understands that has seen him do that that still believes that give him praise if you do I feel the Holy Ghost in here today we don't need everything we think we need and God has a way of pointing that out sometimes. Hallelujah. The scripture said that God came to, that God came to David and he, when he numbered Israel, he gave him three alternatives. And in fact, it's basically saying, okay, David, you did what I told you not to. I'm going to give you three choices here and you pick which one you want. Number one, David, you can have three years of famine three years of lack, three years of drought, three years of nothingness. Or number two, you can have three months in the hand of your enemies. In other words, David, I'll let the enemy do to you whatever he wants to. That choice of judgment says something to me. That tells me that God holds back danger and attacks from our enemies. I believe the enemy has his sword drawn ready to attack you, to attack your family, to attack the church. He's already attacked some, but the truth is those who have their trust in God, we have a God who will hold back the powers of darkness, who will hold back the sword drawn from the enemy, and we're not even aware of the many times God has already protected us from the attacks of the enemy. He held back the Red Sea for Israel. And some of the greatest attacks God, the greatest things God has done in our lives, we don't even have a clue about. I'm convinced there are times and situations the enemy would have and could have destroyed us. But because we're in covenant with God, he held the enemy back so glad when the enemy was forming a weapon against us God said no weapon formed against you shall prosper when hell got together and plotted about destroying you or me there was a supernatural force of the spirit holding the devil back You and I don't know of the times when God said no to the car wreck. He said no to that sickness. He said no to that drug dealer. He said no. And we ought to praise him whether we feel like it or not. Because he's been working in our lives, whether we realize it or not. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be today? So God David gave David choices. Number one, you can have famine. Or I can place you in the hands of your enemy and I can let them do whatever they want to. In other words, I've been protecting you up to this point. But if you want to choose that, I'll I'll give them full reign to do whatever they want. He gave him one one more alternative here. He said, you can have three days in the hand of God. And I'll bring my judgment on you. David thought about it, and he said, you know what? I'd rather be in the hands of God than the hands of the enemy any day. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you today, church, my worst day with God is better than my best day in sin or with the devil, for sure. And if I'll endure God's chastisement and judgment, there will be a blessing on the other side. (laughs) You see, at times in our walk, God will purge us to cleanse us. And we can't live just any old way and make it to heaven. I got one amen. We can't live just any old way and do any old thing we want. Come into church like everything's fine. Go back out in the world on Monday and live any old way we want to and think we're going to get into heaven. Come on, it still takes a life. The soul out to the Lord. Yes, we may stumble. Yes, we may be we may fall, but we get back up and say, "Here I am, God. Forgive me. I love you. Help me. Thank you." For grace and mercy in the blood. But God will purge us and cleanse us. And David had realized, you know what, I've messed up. I made a bad mistake. I disobeyed God. I did something he told me not to. And now God's purging me. So I'm just going to go ahead and take it and accept it like a man. I'm going to keep pressing, serving. I'm going to keep going, moving ahead. And sooner or later, I'm going to see and experience the God of the second chance. Sooner or later, he's going to say, that's enough. He's going to say to the enemy that's trying to destroy me, enough is enough. That is still my child. Leave him alone and take your filthy hands off of him. Back up, devil, in the name of Jesus. So the Bible said God spoke to David and he sent judgment. And in three days, 70,000 Israelites died the plague was going throughout the camp and God said to David, go to the threshing floor of Ornan, build an altar, put a lamb on the altar, shed the blood, and then I'll speak to you. See, sometimes when we're going through a battle, all we really need is a word. Just, it may be just be one word from the Lord. One word. Not a, not a sentence, not a paragraph. One word. Have you ever had God give you just one word? Might be something like, or two words, or three, or hold on. Don't stop. You can make it, don't give up. And even though death and disaster were all around David, he got a word from the Lord. He grabbed a hold of it. He held on to it. And I don't know about you, church, but I'd rather have a word from God than any amount of money, any amount of fame, any amount of number of friends. Because if I've got a word from God, I've got all that I need. It's God that says my word will not return void. Somebody ought to give him a praise right now for the word that is greater than your battle. For the word that is greater than your circumstance. Anybody got a word? If you've got a word from God, grab a hold of it right now and thank Him for it. The Bible said God sent David to the threshing floor. What's a threshing floor? It's a place where they would beat and bash the wheat and then they'd throw it up in the air to let all the wind blow the chaff away the, the old husks and the other seeds separate all that stuff they would beat it and they would bash it the, I mean it would take a beating a bruising and a bashing. and then they'd throw it up in the wind and it was a place of beating and thrashing and sifting and God was teaching David a lesson at this threshing floor of Ornan he was saying David what you see them doing to that wheat is what I'm doing to you I'm going to bash and beat and crush and then throw you to the wind and the windstorm's going to blow away what does not belong. Some of you in this room today have been in a windstorm and you've been beaten, you've been battered, you've been bashed, you've been sifted. But what you've got to understand is that God is still with you even at the threshing floor. While all that's happening, and when your beating and beating and bashing is over, you're gonna have a faith that is unshakable, and you're gonna come out on the other side of it stronger. Who am I preaching to? The Bible says when David gets to that threshing floor of Ornan that Ornan comes out and says, Here, let me give you a piece of this land so you can build an altar and make sacrifice to the Lord. But David says, No, thank you. I want to pay my own way and own price. There are some things, church, that nobody can go through for me. There's some things that you you are going to go through that your mama and your daddy and others can't go through for you. There are some things that God's going to do that, he, that you're going through that He's not going to instantly bring you out of. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? There are some situations that we're just going to have to walk through and hold on to His unchanging hand and trust Him that He's got us. Come on, can I tell you? It ain't, we're not going to get out of it until we get comfortable in it. What do you mean, Pastor? We're not going to get out of it until we learn to lean on the Lord and worship the Lord. Worship Him on when you're on the mountain and when everything's good, but when everything's going bad too. The Bible said, David said, I'm going to pay my own way. He's at the threshing floor. A place of breaking, a place of bashing and beating. tough place. Adversity. But the Bible says he builds an altar at the threshing floor. The Bible says as soon as he builds that altar, he puts the sacrifice, the lamb on it. Do you know what happens then? The Bible says the fire came down. And I say to those of you here in this room who are hurting and beaten and crushed and in a storm, and in the crisis of your life, the word of the Lord for somebody here today is to hold on. The fire is coming. And it's going to consume that situation. Hallelujah. And after the fire fell, watch this, the Bible said this, God stayed the hand of the death angel. In other words, God grabbed a hold of the hand of the death angel that was, had sent that plague across Israel and 70,000 had already died but after David In the midst of his crisis, in the middle of his pain, in the midst of his trial, said, I'm going to pay my own way. I'm going to make a sacrifice. I'm going to build an altar. That represents prayer. That represents worship right in the midst of the attack. And when he did that, fire fell and consumed the sacrifice. And God grabbed a hold of the death angel and said, no more. Enough is enough. The worship team would come. This is what I need you to see in closing today. David is out on Mount Moriah. He's been in the wind. He's been in the bashing and the beating. Everywhere he looks, he sees his friends and family who have died. He can smell the stench of death In the nation he's the leader over. And don't you know, guilt is eating him up because he numbered them and this is part of God's judgment? Can you imagine the weight on his shoulders and what he is bearing right now? But in the midst of it all, he worshiped. And he's out there on Mount Moriah. And there's nothing, watch it, there's nothing on the top of that mountain where he's at. Nothing. If fire, when fire falls and it says consumes, it consumed everything, it burned everything up. So David is on Mount Moriah, and all that is left on the top of Mount Moriah where he's at is nothing but ashes. Ashes everywhere. Everywhere he looked. The whole mountain is one big, black, burnt spot of ashes. Because the fire fell. It hit that place and consumed the whole top of the mountain. Picture this. Nothing there but black ashes. David is standing there by himself all alone. After everything he's gone through. And all he's got left are some ashes. Ashes. Do you remember in the Old Testament what God told the priest? He said, when you burn the red heifer, He said, you hold on to those ashes and put them in a vase. Because I'm going to use those ashes against the enemy. And when somebody sins in the camp, instead of judgment coming on them, tell them to run outside of the camp. And on the perimeter of the camp, they would have a container of those ashes, the Bible said, from that red heifer. And during the year, anyone in the camp could run out, and they would take a twig, dip it in water, stick it down into that vase with the ashes, pull out ashes from that red heifer, Those ashes would then be taken back to the house where that person that had committed sin lived and they would put those ashes on that house and apply them to the guilty person and then the enemy could not destroy them. That's in your Bible. Ashes. What good are ashes? Ashes seem like nothing. What good are ashes? Ashes represent our testimony of what we've been through. Ashes represent people who turned their back on you and left you. Ashes represent the business that went south and didn't go like you thought. Ashes represent the circumstances that that affected you and tore you apart. Ashes are what you have left after you've been through hell on earth. Ashes are what's left after the divorce. Ashes are what's left after the bankruptcy. Ashes are what's left. All that's left are ashes. David's looking at it. They're a reminder of what he's been through. But hear me somebody today. You may be here and you've been through the beating and the bashing. I've come to tell you, if you'll worship through it all, God's going to send the fire. And there may be just some ashes left that remind you of what you went through. But don't throw them away. Hold on to them because that's what God's going to use mightily in your life. Do you remember what God told Moses? He said, reach into the furnace, take out those old ashes. When Pharaoh and his magicians were coming and doing everything that Moses was doing, copying them, God said take those ashes, throw them up into the east wind. And the Bible said when he did, the Egyptians began to be covered with balls from head to toe. When the ashes went up, they afflicted the enemy of God's people. And God says I'm going to use what you've been through to declare war on the devil. Come on somebody, hold on to what you've been through. Hold on to what's left hold on to those ashes because God says I'm going to use the heartaches I'm going to use the tears I'm going to use the loneliness I'm going to use the weariness I'm going to use every struggle I'm going to use the pain of what you've gone through to afflict it upon your enemy oh come on somebody hallelujah hallelujah For I have heard your cry, says the Lord, this morning. I have seen the lonely nights that you have cried out in your sleep and you have called upon me. I have seen everything you've struggled with, but I have also seen how you have remained faithful and steadfast, how that in the good and in the bad you have still looked to me and worshipped me. I have not forgotten you, says the Lord, And I have not turned my back against you. For I am here this very moment. Everything you have been through. Everything you have been through. I will take and use against the enemy in your life. And I will bring a great victory. That when people look upon you, my child. They will know. That there is a God, (laughs) that there is a God who saves and who delivers.